Welcome to the What the Flip podcast hosted by Jeremy. Don't let the name fool you. We talk about all things real estate investing in less than 30 minutes. Learn how I did fix and flip, buy and holds, apartment complexes and beyond all from this podcast. Stay tuned. Going on, everybody. It's your boy, Jeremy, with What the Flip podcast. Now, What the Flip YouTube channel. So if you're watching this on video, you can clearly see that it has been a long time in between episodes. My hair is, I don't know, four or five inches longer than it used to be. Uh, I still have a lot of grays, so that hasn't changed too much. But there's been a lot going on in my world, especially in real estate investing. And so I took a little bit of a break to try to get a lot of things figured out. Um, I had evictions, fires, arbitration, slash lawsuit, um, you know, just a lot of things going on, selling properties, flips, uh, trying to find a new property manager, managing stuff from out of state. So I am back to kind of inform you of everything that's happened to me, give you a synopsis of stuff every week. So the whole goal of this podcast is not to take over your life. It's going to be 30 minutes long. Sometimes it's just going to be me talking. Other times I'll bring on a guest. But the purpose is to give you as much information as I possibly can in that 30 minutes while also giving you my story. Uh, because information is great, but if you can see issues that I had and, and decisions that I made that made mistakes or, or made me successful, uh, whatever situation may be, uh, it may help you and give you just a little bit more detail about what you need to do to be successful or maybe even things to avoid so you don't run into the same situations that I did. So today's topic is going to be about evictions, and it's a touchy subject for me. I just actually flew back from Kansas City the other week uh, from going to court for an eviction. So for those of you guys who don't know, I own properties in Colorado, Kansas, and Missouri. Uh, I have a property manager manage the ones in Kansas. I actually manage the one in Missouri and manage the one in Colorado. Um, so that's why I was there personally. But I really just want to kind of go over some details of things you should be aware of, the situation I was in and what I did and what I could have done better to prepare myself for having to go to court and defend myself as a landlord, especially in this time of COVID where tenants can basically get out of any eviction by, by doing a few things. So first off, let's talk about what you do to avoid an eviction. Vet your tenant. If you are not vetting your tenants now, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. And what I mean is you need to get as much information as you can. It's an interview, really. You're giving them a job slash house or a place to live, and you want to make sure you have the best possible candidate without breaking any laws. And that really requires you to put in some time and effort into doing that. There's a lot of great websites out there. I use TurboTenant. Uh, I know a lot of people use Cozy. Pick a website that has a very good background system and turbo tenant does um, and they charge it directly to the tenants so i don't have to deal with any of that if a tenant gets denied i don't have to try to refund them or even think that i have their money because i sent them over to turbo tenant and i let them know it's a third-party system i don't take any money you pay them directly I don't know how Cozy operates, but I'm guessing it's very similar and, and landlords maybe pay or maybe they have an option for the tenant to pay. So do the report, get that done. But what you also want to do is read that report thoroughly. Check out if they have any prior evictions, check out if they have any arrests, get the information that you need and make sure you don't break laws 
when you assess this information. Every single state is a little bit different, so I'm not going to pretend like I know every state out there, but there are a lot of laws as far as fair housing goes. So make sure you're not judging that person based on a law that's prohibited to judge somebody on. Only judge them on the facts and only judge them on the things that you're allowed to legally do. You don't want to find yourself in a situation having to justify why you turn somebody down for maybe something that you don't have a justifiable reason. So make sure you're focused on the legal reasons why you can accept or not accept a tenant. Once you have that, if you're going to offer to a tenant, I always suggest calling their previous landlord and just kind of getting a feel for how the tenant was. The landlord will be honest with you because they're not going to live in their property anymore. So they're going to straight up tell you, oh, this was a great tenant or this was a terrible tenant or I was always being called to come over there and fix stuff, which weren't, you know, wasn't a huge deal or this person never called me. And then when I got into the, the house, it was a disaster. So just give a call. It, it doesn't hurt to do it. Most landlords are going to be willing to talk to another landlord. Um, some landlords don't want to do it because it, it feels awkward, but it could end up saving you a lot of money and hassle down the road. Uh, and then the last thing I always suggest is meet them at their place. If you can possibly do that, where they currently live. Uh, why? You're going to be able to see so much about them. Are they cleanly? Do they only have two people that they say they're going to live there, actually live there? Or is there 15 people? Do they have a ton of animals? You know, making sure that you understand who they actually are really comes down to you putting the time and effort in. So this tenant that I had in Missouri basically just stopped paying one day. We, we went through the whole vetting process, stopped paying one day. Uh, and here's the kind of the steps that I went through and, and things that I'm aware of when a tenant stops paying. So when a tenant stops paying, I go through a couple different processes. One is I try to understand the situation. So was there really a mix up? Did they get it mailed? Did they drop it somewhere? Did they forget to mail it? Um, did something happen with their job, with their paycheck? You want to know the situation before you assume. And I just try to do that on a personal level because I want to know a little bit more about the tenant before I'm jumping to some kind of conclusion. Uh, once I have a little bit more information, then that's when you can decide how to proceed from there. So normally, if it's just something small like, you know, they forgot or they're getting it in late or they're going to tell me when it's going to be in, but it's going to be in late. If it's their first time, I sometimes forgive them. I know that everybody says treat it like a business you know, and, and don't cut anybody any slack and, and do these things, but it's hard. It's human nature to want to be nice to other people. And so I honestly tried to act that way as a landlord. So I try to find a way to entice them to pay. So sometimes I say, Hey, if you can get the check into me by the end of the month, you know, I'll waive the late fee and you'll be caught back up. And that's what I did in this case. Um, some landlords, and I've done this too, do cash for keys um, if you're in a situation where it's just not worth your time or worth your money, um, you can offer the tenant, Hey, I'll forgive your rent. If you just move out by the end of the month or the end of the week. And in some extreme cases, they'll say, I'll pay you money if you're out by the end of the month. Uh, and you know, having an eviction is an expensive process. It's 500 to a thousand bucks, depending on who you use. And so it may be worth your while to offer some money in an extreme situation. So I offered the tenant the ability to pay at the end of the month. They said they were going to, and they ended up not doing that. And so then what you have to do is you have to post a three day notice or a five day notice or uh, a notice of correction. Um, it's 
named a couple of different things in a couple of different states. So your state may have something different, but basically it's a notice that you post on the door and it says you have so many days to correct this issue. And so I posted the notice on the door. And if you don't know anything about record keeping, you want to make sure that you have a copy of that notice. And then if you post it, you also want to take a picture of that posting on the door with as much information about the uh, property as possible to make sure that if you do have to show it to somebody else, they can recognize that that is the unit that uh, should be getting that notice. Uh, and then you want to make sure that you keep those records of so the paper copy and the digital copy of the picture uh, somewhere easily accessible. So you post the notice, you have so many days to correct or you need to vacate or an eviction can happen. So that's kind of what the notice is. In this case, I called them when the three day notice was up and I said, hey, I'm going to proceed with the eviction. I just wanted to give you one more chance to avoid this. Uh, and at this point in time, uh, we weren't really cordial. And the nice part about how I communicate with my tenants is I stick to text messages. And I know that it really irks some of my tenants that I don't call them when they ask me to call them. But the reason I do this is for this particular thing. And it's happened to me in the past where I say one thing and the tenant says that I said another. And I can easily refer to any point in the conversation if I have it through text message or even through email if you feel more comfortable doing that than if I have a phone call with the tenant. Almost every tenant knows how to use a smartphone, knows how to text. I mean, depending on where you're at and what kind of clientele you have or tenants you have to choose from, you may run into somebody who doesn't. But I would say nine times out of 10, if they're written from you, there's a good chance that they have a smartphone and they know how to text. So I text because I want to be able to keep a record. So I, you know, we text back and forth a tenant. They basically say, you don't understand where I'm coming from and you don't believe me and you think I'm lying. And I want to go have my day in court to prove that I'm a good person. And so I was kind of flabbergasted because I, I thought I was being a pretty nice guy, but clearly in their mind, I wasn't. I haven't had to do an eviction personally because I have a property manager in Kansas and I have had some fairly good tenants in, in Missouri and Colorado. So I've been lucky. I had to research a good attorney and Facebook is a great way to do that. If you don't belong to any real estate groups, I suggest that you do that. Uh, I reached out to a few real estate groups that I belong to on Facebook uh, and I got some great recommendations for a lawyer to use. And so I reached out to the lawyer and basically said, hey, I don't know how this process operates or how it works. Can you please walk me through it? And they, they took the time to walk me through it and told me, hey, it's a flat rate fee. And this lawyer was $500 to do the whole eviction all the way through. So I went ahead and signed the paperwork, paid the fee. And basically how it works is the very first, what's kind of called a pretrial is the lawyer going to the courthouse and sitting in front of the judge with a ledger that you've created. So if you're not keeping accurate records of when you receive checks, how much they owe, you know, when you've applied them, start doing it and do it. Unlike me in the past where I do it every six months and sit down and make sure I have everything match up do it every single time you receive a payment. So then you don't have to scramble and try to collect all those things and keep copies of cashier checks, of checks that they've written you, of deposit slips, like keep copies of all those things. You never know when you may need to back up your data. Um, so I handed the lawyer a ledger, they go to court or pretrial. And basically the lawyer 
reads off the ledger, says, you owe such and such amount. Do you agree? And the tenant has the ability to say, I agree or I disagree. And if they disagree, then you actually actually go to a trial. If they agree, that's basically it. The judge will rule in your favor. It's all said and done. They'll give a certain time frame to get paid up or move out. The tenant in my case said, I don't agree and I have more information. So the lawyer came back to me and said, hey, here's the court date. You need to come to Kansas City. So as we're getting closer and closer, I'm talking to the lawyer a bit more and more about, okay, what do I need to do? I haven't been in court. Um, if you're watching on video, I'm black. So I feel like going to court is like the worst possible thing I can do. Um, <laughs> it's just not a place that I want to be, uh, in the back of a cop car, headed to the court, uh, headed to the police station. Those are like places I, I would rather not go. So I'm trying to get as much information so I can be ready for this. Uh, you know, what I assume is going to be some kind of trial, like you see on the TV uh, and they're going to question me and call me to the stand. And I don't know, I'm freaking out a little bit. So the lawyer runs down the process for me. And here's basically the process is you go to court. If your lawyer's smart, they'll try to negotiate something with a tenant prior to court. And so that's what we did. We spoke with a tenant, gave them opportunity to pay. They still said no. So then we went ahead to trial. Before trial, my lawyer needed my ledger, which I've already supplied. They needed a copy of my lease. And this is huge. If you are using a lease that you made yourself, stop. Find somebody, LegalZoom, Rocket Lawyer, a lawyer in your town. Find somebody who's made a lease who actually knows what they're doing. And if you pulled bits and pieces of leases from other people, don't. Find one solid lease. I say this for a couple of reasons. Is there's a lot of things in the lease if you go to court your lawyer is going to ask you, is this your lease? Yes. Is this what the fee is? Yes. Is this what the late policy is? Yes. You want to make sure all those things are covered. And so I use rocket lawyer just cause it's what I've used in the beginning. It had all those things in there. One thing that it didn't have, um, that it could have had is a, um, agreement on if we do go to court, can I, you know, try to recoup legal fees? We still did it anyway. Um, but, if you have it in your lease, it makes it a lot easier rather than just trying to add it on. So that's one thing about your lease. The second thing about a lease is know your laws. I originally had a really, really high late fee. And the reason being is I didn't want to deal with late payments. It occurred to me one day that maybe there's rules and regulations on this. And so I looked a couple years ago in Missouri and found out what the rules and regulations are. And I tailored my lease or that part of it to fit the rules of Missouri as far as what late fee was and what I could collect, the maximum amount I could collect. Because I was smart enough to do that, when we did go to court, so I had a copy of my lease, which had all the information that my lawyer needed in order to present to the judge. Uh, all the information in there was legally correct. Um, and it just made my case a lot stronger. So I had to present ledger, a lease. I brought all the copies of my deposit slips, cashier checks, things that I needed to prove that I did or didn't receive a payment. Um, and then I'm trying to think of what else. I think that's about it. Um, and then for my own peace of mind, I did supply the walkthrough because I knew that the tenant would probably try to bring up some issues uh, that she was having with 
um, things that needed to be fixed and there are items that I was going to fix but once I realized we were going to court I kind of held off on it and I did look up the rules for that as well in Missouri uh, to make sure I wasn't violating any laws by not immediately fixing those items so I go to the courtroom we offer she says no we go inside the courtroom and start our trial uh, I'm sitting down there I got to be sworn in I'm going to tell the truth the whole truth nothing but the truth that actually is very true. They do tell you that and you do have to say, I do or I will. Um, then as I stated before, your lawyer is going to go through your entire lease with you and say, you know, is this how much the tenant owes? Is this your late fee policy? Is this your signature? Is this her signature? Um, so you want to make sure you cross your T's and dot your I's. In my lease, I have the tenant initial every single page. So then that way they've acknowledged that they read the entire document. So it's just one more little safety check that I have and I've learned over the years. So I went through my whole process. Luckily, I didn't have to physically go to the stand. I just stood up in my chair and answered the questions for my lawyer. And then I sat down. Uh, my lawyer handed all the documents to the judge, which he had already filed previously. So uh, we were set there. Then it was the tenant's turn. Uh, the tenant has the ability to supply their own evidence. So they did, and they handed it all into the judge. Um, in my case, I was very lucky because basically the judge went through the numbers and said, okay, let's match up everything you have with everything they have, and it all matched. Uh, and so the judge flat out asked the tenant and said, hey, do you have any more payments that none of us have record of? Uh, and she said no, and so the judge said, do you owe this amount? And the tenant ended up saying, yes, I, I, whatever amount they have is the amount that I owe. And so I was lucky that the judge not only ruled in my favor for back rent, but ruled in my favor for lawyer fees and some other court filing fees, um, and gave the tenant 10 days to make a payment or, um, gave him the option to move out. That isn't even quite the end of it, because in the time that we're living in now, the tenant still had seven days to file COVID paperwork saying that they were unable to make a payment due to COVID affecting their job. Um, you kind of need to know what's going on in the world in order to make sure that you're aware of all the situations. And so you know, I kind of held my breath for the next seven days. The seven days passed. Thank goodness. Um, I sent, I flew back here to Colorado. I sent my uh, leasing manager over there to see if they'd moved out. Uh, and I was lucky because they have. And if they hadn't, what happens next is at the end of the 10 days, you'll get a call from the court. Uh, if your lawyer is on top of it, they've already filed uh, to have a sheriff do the eviction. So you'll get a call from the court um, or the sheriff's office and they'll say, hey, Mr. Woods, we're going to uh, execute this um, eviction and we just need your go ahead. Uh, in my case, they didn't have to do it because the tenant already moved out, but it's another safeguard to you getting the tenant out after you've already gone through the court case. So to kind of wrap it all up, you want to make sure you cross your T's and dot your I's when it comes to tenants and when it comes to evictions. Um, you got to vet. So make sure you spend the time vetting your tenant and ensuring that you're getting the best possible tenant in there and not violating any laws while you do so. Um, two, follow all the rules of the eviction. So post the proper notices. Um, don't do a self-help eviction, which is basically 
you know, threatening the tenant or trying to change the locks when the tenant's gone, that's going to get you in legal trouble. You want to follow the correct legal process. And so that's why the options of cash for keys um, or wiping off a debt to have them leave or even trying to negotiate with them is the best possible solution before um, going through with an eviction. And then your last step is just going to be, you know, filing the eviction with the correct people. So use people that have been recommended to you because they've been used by other people. So you don't want to just open up Google and type somebody in. Uh, you want to make sure that whoever you're using as your eviction attorney um, or even, you know, where you're getting your advice from has gone through the entire process themselves so that you don't make a mistake of, uh, you know, having somebody who isn't strong or knowledgeable in that area. I, I can't tell you enough how relieved I was to make it through that process. And it only ended up costing me 500. That's a lot, but it could have been worse. They left it in great shape. They did leave a few items behind, which I, I need to go get cleaned up. But, you know, there's, there's stories of places being left in a disaster, owing thousands in rent. I would say in order to make sure that you are protected, you know, get a solid lease, make sure it's legal, make sure you vet your tenant, and then also make sure you just treat them with respect. You want to make sure that you're treating your tenant however you want it to be treated. It's the golden rule, and it's super simple, but a lot of people think of themselves as a landlord, and, and instead of just a landlord, they think of themselves as an overlord. And really what you are is you're a person who owns a house. Somebody else wants to live in there. You want to give them the opportunity to do it. So give them the opportunity to do so and treat them with respect because they're going to treat your place with respect if you do that. Um, I have so many great episodes coming up. I have one about arbitration once that's all said and done. I have one about finding a new property manager. Uh, I'm going to bring in some great guests. I have a newbie real estate agent who's been killing it. And so I'm going to bring her in for an episode, but I can't say it enough. I feel so good to be back 12 month hiatus. It's been way too long. Keep a lookout uh, for a lot of things coming in the near future. And especially on this page, this was just kind of thrown together at the last minute because I had a lot on my mind and I thought it'd be great to jump back into it with uh, a little bit of good information and tidbits of what I just went through. Um, a little shameless self-promotion. I did create, with the help of another agent, a real estate team. So Taylor & Co. Realty Group. If you go to taylorrealty.com, we're up and we're on there. We're looking for new agents. I'm super excited to announce we'll be doing Northern Colorado, Denver, all the way to Colorado Springs. Uh, it's going to be awesome. Please check it out. Please like our page. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Uh, we'll be bringing a lot more to that. Thanks again, guys. It's Jeremy. I'm signing off. Until next time, What the Flip Podcast. You guys take it easy.